and welcome to the Quick Link podcast today is a, a bit of a special one to be fair because it's the first time I've done one of these in person, normally it's done virtually um, and today I'm joined by Ricky who's the owner of St Piran Racing Team, how are you? Um, actually poorly actually, so everybody wishes they're well on the interview, <laughs> yeah it's a uh, joys of think of having a two year old but it's really weird I'm taking all the illnesses home to him so, <laughs> so there we go, yeah I'm okay. Oh good, um yeah, I hope I got the your role within the the team correct. Um, like, what is your role on a sort of day to day sort of basis, really? Well, if you buy, I'm the owner. If you complain in, uh, I just work for St. <laughs> <laughs> Um So, I strangely might sound don't feel as though I am oh, the I owner of St. Piran. We have a bit of a standing joke. Steve Lampier and myself that we work for the thing it's something mm. we have created and we all put into it though ultimately somebody you know probably has to sign some checks or do some bank transfers and I, I guess that, that's kind of my role but my role is basically uh, multifaceted I can be a dad I'd like to be a mentor uh, I'd like to infuse people to get involved and be part of cycling and it, you know it's our, our vision to try and do something in a slightly different way that hasn't been done before so I, I'll, I'll take the title as owner yeah if, if need be if it helps the next series of questions but uh, basically I, I, I work for some period. yeah and you talked a bit about the vision uh, and it being kind of a, an entity rather than a, a specific I guess you being the owner <coughs> you see yourself more as representing that entity, like what does St Piran as a whole represent? Well, that's a good question. Um, the, the obvious answer is the patron saint of Cornwall or mm. the patron saint of tin mining, but it's just a really cool brand. You know, if you think from a racing point of view, you know, no logos on the jersey, you know, you, you got a unique typeface, you know, you've got a bit of Cornish tartan, so you know, it, it's, it's a look and a feel to represent if you like the brand and, and the brand stands it, it's got a lot of brand values we talk about uh, being authentic provenance provenance sorry with the cold um, and you know we want people to respect the jersey you know, we want the riders to represent the jersey and feel good about it uh, we always I'm getting a bit older so I always try to talk about the family you know and it's you, you, you gain a little bit of wisdom on the way, so if you can, you, you want the, the brand to reflect you know, so, some of your values, and, and certainly all the family values. Hmm. Yeah, how does then that translate into, I guess, the genesis of, of the team starting out, and then, because obviously a, a team is not much of a team without riders, so how does... How do you go about selecting people to, to represent St. Piran? Ooh. I think if you, you've always got to, <clears throat> if you want to know where you are now or where your future is, you, you've got to look backwards. You've got to look back you know, a, a number of years. And, Steve, is our seventh year next year, is it? Seventh year next year. So, you know, I think that's success in itself, the fact that, you know, we've done seven years. Um, obviously, the last couple of years as a UCI continental team, but you know when we first started, you know if you if you could put your leg over a bike, uh, I guess if you were a 
a second cat Roman was probably our, our minimum requirement um, and, and, and most notably from the region so the starting point is not where we are now the, 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 where we are now is a is a world away from where we started yeah I mean that's quite notable in the fact that you've got riders like Cooper Sayers who's uh, Australian I know he, he lives I, well certainly from his Instagram I guess he lives around here now um, like how did that sort of signing come about I'd love to take the credit for that um, <laughs> but you know when you've been really truthful to your values that was all Steve's doing um, I think there's a bit of a convict in Steve because obviously you know Cornwall sent all our convicts to Australia about 120 years ago and I think he felt sorry for them and kind of wanted to bring them back to the UK um, but on a serious note he's very good at you know spotting young talent and then having read there maybe something in a minute you can you piggyback another interview you got him sat you know in the room so it would be really good for you to to get the full insight of that but it was a it was it was a Steve spot and we want to bring riders with in back into the UK I mean there is a so here's your little bit of controversy so there's there's a lack of quality in the UK i.e. the top six or ten or fifteen riders that are going through the BC system already leave the country you know they're on to Ineos FTJ or whatever so you know the landscape of riders changed dramatically over the last you know even the last five years so those talented riders are out of our reach so then we we are at the Conti level we're then looking at riders that potentially the system has missed or there's some opportunity for, for riders over overseas so our our landscape was was to look perhaps elsewhere and bring riders in which is a pretty cool story so if we can do it from Canada and New Zealand um, but the caveat with that is when you're a Conti team you have to find accommodation for them so that's why perhaps no other team is doing that in the UK because the on cost is too much but it is part of our ethos to have a we want a worldwide um, draw because you know effectively Superior which is you know very much aligned to the region um, you know 120 years ago when tin mining was in decline literally a quarter of a million people left and went all over the world and uh, you know it's a very recognised brand name and let's bring riders back into the UK and uh, you know add a bit of spice to the UK racing scene mm. and you did touch on the, the sort of UK um, racing scene it, it's had like boom and bust periods um, you know oh. it, it seems to go in sort of a, almost like a wave pattern to be <coughs> honest um, how do you find racing domestically versus racing on the sort of UCI races abroad where like do you have different goals going into them like how, how do they sort of match up Ooh, a lot of big a few, a few questions in the one there so look it's you know I rode a bike, Steve rode a bike. It's exciting riding bigger races abroad. End of story. You know, they've got it right. You know, we do, we do well in France. You know, we mix it up in Belgium. Steve's getting invites for Holland for next year. So that that that's exciting. And as a team owner, here we go. This is the standard. <laughs> you know, you'll have heard it from other team owners. You know, we can go and ride a Premier Calendar race in the UK. It costs us two and a half thousand pounds to attend it, to support it, which we like to do, and yet we can get some start money by going to race in Belgium so you know you're up maybe 500 or 1000 pound in one 
way and down 3,000 the other so that doesn't bode well for especially sort of Conti team owners um, having said that I think next year is going to be mega exciting there's a lot of doom and gloom about with less teams I think for us personally it, it's going to be our most exciting year ever and, uh, and the difficulty is the actually getting enough riders to race where do they race what program they're doing yeah the partnership sponsorships you know those, those are the you know the, the difficult issues I guess in a, in a in a in an economy that perhaps is shrinking in a way but people always want to race right so yeah. you know we want to be at the pointy end and you know um, but um, there are great races in the UK look come on yeah. the, you know, the national championships the Rutland Classic you know a lot of the Premier calendars have got you know some iconic status and uh, you know we're just going to find a way you know whether we support them with our UCI team or even just 0503 which is our feeder team maybe we should take a radical viewpoint and just send our development team you know and just race abroad yeah it's, it's an interesting mix like kind of going back to that though does your do your goals and ambitions going into them like a premier calendar race such as uh, Lincoln GP do you go into that wanting to win versus like you know a, a 2.1 in France where you maybe don't have such sort of standing and expectation does that change your goals as a, an owner and go yeah you know this is more of a get round and experience race versus one we want to target well you've picked a hashtag I really don't like get, <laughs> get can, round can I interject on that question yeah I, I, that's, that's perfect Steve yeah. I don't know because, if you um, so Ricky and did have this just like team owner signs the checks yes he does um, checks in the post but the, the, the kind of race yeah. program the help the race we do how we go there all that side of yeah that, that's what my donate to do it right now slack off figuring all stuff out so and it varies race to race we never go to a race to get round fully banned get round I hate that word spat is another word I hate which all the kids use now um, they're just they, they, they're just terrible phrases that it's pointless because you know, race has got finish line finish line is there for reasons for you to win by race you know, so we go to most races to win races. You don't, and won't be a UCI race. You know, then we've had from the start of the year to mid-season, we had a few difficult points, and from then, and things. I was trying to set out the races, how we were going to go through the plan, and I things weren't going right for a number of reasons. I spoke to a very well-respected sports director. So keep doing what you're doing, doing it the right way, it come good. And then we started bringing in other riders, which, you know, and we got a lot of flat from it we brought in. Adrian just then, the GB lads, Harry and Jack, uh, Cooper turned out, Adam. But they were all done, all those deals were done well in the past, which is circumstances that we couldn't turn up to that point. So we got a lot of flat from, from certain people. Cycling, um, cycling royalty, some would say. I wouldn't say so. Um, but you just 
We then started winning races with the caliber of riders to do that, but it didn't matter what the race was. We went, you know, like Jordan, for example, we went over the man, tactical plan was this, David Miller and Ned Bolton spoke about it on the live on TV. It's incredible, an obvious plan to do. They're doing they're doing this. We took the race to them, and we do that in every race. So yes, we want to win every race. We go there with, with a plan, but you know, you've got 180 guys with one football, you know, one goal. We're all trying to do the same. So you don't, you can't win every race. But we install that. That's the best. It's the plan. If we, if we do the plan and somebody else speaks on the day, that's that's like, that's why I race. So it's something better legs. Yeah. But if you don't do the plan. And somebody beats you, then that's when we can really question things. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully that. Sorry to jump in. When you put a team together, whether it's on the road or off the road or whatever, everybody's got to. Funny enough, I had a dream about this last night. And it, it's good. Everybody likes to claim a little bit of success. So, what I'd like to try and do to everybody, you know, we. We've all got elements to play, and without those elements, you know, then, you know, if, if the mechanic doesn't set the right tyre pressure, that has a knock-on effect, or, you know, anyone's involved, or, you know, if our PR man, you know, Adam Blassam in London, who's, he's, he's been great, you know, doesn't get us to remind people about our road to net zero, then... then, then we're not doing right. I think with the sum of all the parts, I think you know you, you've got Liam Hollihan who's worked very hard on performance. You've got Steve. You know you've got a lot of people uh, in and around that are making the organisation tick. And I think everybody's got an input. I think we've got a style. I mean, we've, we've certainly got a style that that I want to see that Steve wants to see. You know, and then we've got these yearly plans and you know minor objectives and away you go. So yeah, it's it's. But don't ever put hashtag get round. Yeah. <coughs> no, no. Um, <coughs> there's hopefully, as I said, hopefully the bit from Steve picked up. If not, I'm sure we'll be able to go over it again, uh, and this will just be a really odd edit um, and yeah, yeah. sound a bit out of context. But here we go. we'll go uh, back into it. Um, you talked about like the 0503 development team there's also the, the St Piran's women's team like how did they all kind of intermesh and how do you make the culture of the teams like I guess do you go for something distinct for each or do you try and make them I don't want to say homogenous but you know all part of the same culture how do you manage that that's a really interesting question actually not one that I've been asked by the media Previously, so <laughs> chapeau to you, really. Um, look, when organisations grow, you move away from the very key or core message. In fact, Steve, I, I was talking about this this morning, but <clears throat> when there's two of you in the room, you're doing absolutely everything. You know, you're designing the brochure right the way through to try to speak to the riders. To um, you know, you're very tight on your communication, and your aim. As you grow, you add more to it you need more communication skills. Um, certainly you will see a very close alignment of all the teams next year. Uh, you know, we, we, we did well this year. You know, we got 
three around the tour series I don't think it's ever been done before so it was men women's um, 0503 um, you know it's logistically it's never without it you know never without its problem but there's a there's certain merit to being working together towards one goal and what I really think is that you know partners and sponsors are going to like that you know there's more coverage it's more diverse you know we've got road we got Mountain Dubai. 0503 was a men's team uh, last year. There'll be an 0503 um, women's team this year, uh, an elite mountain bike team this year, um, and, and some other other initiatives, which will will we'll see the whole sort of brand values and the pulling together. So, I'd like to say, you know, let's go back and visit that one one family approach again. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I have, you, I, you talked about tour series because um, that's I guess. <coughs> That's a, a, for me, it's where teams are quite visible on the UK scene. Otherwise, it's kind of waiting until September hits for the, the Tour of Britain. Does that represent sort of value for money for you in terms of a, yeah, a, I guess a marketing platform? Is that how it's used or how do you approach it each year? Uh, I always say there's only three or four races in, in you know, in town, if you like, or, you know, and that, you know that that's one of them. Look, Sweet Spot do an amazing job. Mm. Um, yeah, could the format do a little shake up? I think yeah, it could. But you know, the Tour Series, you know, the Tour of Britain organised by that company, you know, the organisation second to none. You know, it's safe, it's exciting. So you know, you, you've got to be there. You know, the, the downside for the teams is if the if the venues are not closely aligned, you know, you've got massive fuel and accommodation mm. costs um, I mean especially coming from Cornwall you got around on like the Scottish coast you're a bit <laughs> well as you've done a little trip today I mean you imagine multiplying that three or four times yeah um, it, 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 uh, you know we need a service course you know well probably even in Belgium at the moment but you know maybe in the middle of the country somewhere you know you know you know we, we do very well at placing vehicles in different parts of the country you know, we are trying to think ahead all the time so yeah but what a great race tour series i still think is a great race yeah of course it's a cash cow <laughs> it's a cash cow i haven't um, seen i haven't seen any cash coming over this way yet but well, if, uh, if the tour series wasn't around i wouldn't be sat here now so it came out at the right time it started i was at the end of my continental career then the tour series started i came back to the uk team got bigger better stronger riders got better stronger <coughs> it's a double-edged sword, and crit after crit after crit, but it gets the races into the public's mindset, and that's what made external money coming into the sport of region. So what a great viewpoint though, so instead of somebody moaning about the venues too far apart or this or that, Steve's gone, look, it's given me a career, and now a career in, 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 in Superior, and I think the, the message at the front end is we've got to be, Sometimes, you know, we take flat by the way we're doing things, but I always say, well, actually, we're standing up when we're doing it. We're actually inputting to it. You know, if you're inputting, you, you've got a voice. Yeah. But if you're not inputting, I don't really think you've got a voice. You know, you, you know, you know for the one of talking about BC and Shell, you know, they've taken a lot of flat, but, you know, the truth of the matter is there's some great initiatives there. And if you want to change something, you can only do it from within inside. Yeah. You know, and you, you've got dialogue with Shell. At least you can say, "We'd like to see this. We'd like to see that." If you're on the outside, you'd be tapping on the windows. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it. And I guess one 
<coughs> sort of question I have in terms of that is when you're deciding who to work with obviously we touched on the team but how do you decide what brands you want representing you oh, like, got, in terms of like bike brands they've got to be super cool you know we've got a cool brand you know stupidly I put performance kind of or, or great kit you know great bikes right at the very forefront you know it's been expensive but it reflects kind of it reflects our brand and um, you know it would be no good for us to have well, we haven't got any names on the jersey and, you know quite frankly I don't think anybody can afford to put their name on our jersey now um, but yeah you've got to work with mid brands and you know otherwise it's a, for us you know it's, it's a race to the bottom then otherwise yeah that's a good point because I was just wondering whether that was a an ethos thing and what they represent or whether it's just pure kind of cold data uh, and how that ties in with the, the general values of St Piran. I think you just got to look at if people do things well you know it's worth talking about so that's why you know partnership arrangement we, we try to support everybody in the media because we say that you are the you know the oxygen that we need you know to breathe and it's it, you know, it's, it's a currency that we need so you know we will give you access to our website we'll, we'll actually put your link on our website you know we think we want to work with everybody we want to work with quality partners you know we want to tell the world how great cycling actually is you know it's a great sport and we're just custodians of it you know mm. none of us own it it's we're just custodians of it so yeah look look for great meaningful partnerships is what i'd say yeah it's a really good way of looking at it and what for you like what does success look like ah, brilliant question actually because i'm older everybody Maybe look success with hands in the air, and the, I think success now older is if if somebody is actually happy. So I've, we've had some great success stories that aren't even reflected. So we, we had a rider that that was on an Italian team as a youngster, came around for us. He, he didn't make the grade. He got a job in the foreign office uh, after riding for us, and, and he knew where to stop. And the success was that that had given the grounding to go further in his career and had the nicest letter back thanking us for the opportunities we gave him. So success is wherever you get off the performance pyramid, are you happy? If so, that's real success. And then, you know, of course what we like now is we've got, we've got more and more coming into what we do and we are more overtly successful now. Um, that's, that's, that's quite a nice thing because, you know, we had a rough time at the early part of the year, you know, um, a well-documented, uh, you know, situation with a bike supplier uh, you know where we thought rider safety was was paramount and they didn't uh, you know made it very very difficult for us and almost stopped us from being a team but you know we, we, we come out of it stronger and you know we'll we, we carry on again yeah and you mentioned about like more and more riders <coughs> coming in and again Steve touched on it uh, that you've attracted some flat um, from sort of I guess all quarters I will be completely honest I have been critical of it just because the timing optically didn't look yeah but why would you why would you be critical if you don't have the full information so why would why would you then suddenly go into why would you go to social media when you know nothing about it so there's a lesson no. learned, there's a lesson learned there for you and I always say the tide comes in and the tide comes out <laughs> equally we've developed more riders than an awful lot of other places and guess what we actually run development teams so we don't just talk about it so we've got when you reach a point in cycle racing and it's brutal 
the best piece of honesty you can give a rider is go, look, you've reached your limit. You, there's no point trying to convince somebody they are better than they are. They are. Um, yeah, I, I really objected, and we kept quiet through it. You know, some of the flack that we took, we took, but. On the one hand, you want to develop riders, and then if you go into a real, a proper race like the Tour of Britain, and you've got riders off the back, you are disrespecting the sport. Where's where the argument there for, oh, you're developing riders? Think about it. You've got a rider three minutes outside the convoy, you're shutting down town centres, you know, it's doing cycling disservice, you're stretching the limited resources that are police outriders who don't cover the junctions when a car comes out and piles into the peloton. So, you know, you, you've got to understand bike racing in its entirety. And, um, yeah, we, we it's, it's not nice because <coughs> our livelihood depends on good currency in the media. So when you criticise us, my mortgage and Steve's mortgage is dependent on it, whereas most of you do this for a hobby. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not a fair position to take. Um, but one, we wait until somebody like yourself asks us the questions and we can say look this is what we did this is why we did it let's forget about it let's move on um, you don't move on then you never get another interview again you know it's great but you know most people move on and go oh that's very realistic and I think Steve's gone on quite a few podcasts you know our relationships with these riders were done months and months and months and months beforehand you know and our riders there existed had a chance to step up and perform and didn't mm. you know and in, internally as well <coughs> so like so for example cooper hired sign in um december last year and then you know it wasn't until he was australian he could only get small visas to come over yeah yeah so he didn't come over until after the nationals alex richardson was another one who we yeah yeah, commitments with the personal sponsors of the national, you know, the GB connection, that, but that had been a long rumbling thing, probably two years. But all of the riders in the team knew about we bringing these riders in. Mm. The only rider that turned up last minute late probably caught people left off centre was Adam Lewis. Because he contacted, I spoke to him in Tordon uh, Wire Share, he wasn't happy. Expecting to live in more about some things. He just kept in touch, and then we said, Look, we can make this work. And then came back a different man. The French system had got to him. He'd been out there for a long time. He needed a rejuvenation. He's taken a different role within the team now. He'll be more of a faculty role because he has the experience in those races. But everyone in the team knew. Everyone external to the team didn't need to know. Just we don't need to know what happens in what house. But what annoyed me. We do if he's got he's got something good cooking, Steve, don't we? What frustrated me was like there's people who seem to be talking as if they were in the same Zoom conversations that I've been in. Well I didn't see them. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, <coughs> but they haven't got the, the balls to come up and directly talk to you because they sit on a computer screen or a phone around the room. But like Ricky says, you know, it, it's, it's Simperion is a brand and it, we call it a thing. That thing is like a, a move, it's not a movable object, it's not, it, it means different things to different people at any given time, hmm. but essentially that's 
the thing is if we are dependent on it for our mortgages, our families, we've both got you know wives and partners and I've only got one wife, he's got one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've got kids, you know, and food on their table depends on it. You mm. know, so it, and we're trying to grow the sport because Yes, we can do things from a business point of view. Ricky more so than myself. He is a businessman in the day. Yeah. But essentially, we are bike racing fans, and all we want to do is race bikes with the best team available to us at any given moment. And if that means, you know, we had to bring in new riders, we had to. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. You can't take riders. You can't win national B races to Tour of Britain, for example. Because that, not only what, what Ricky's touched on, and, but it doesn't brand no favours at all, and also it impacts on the future of the team by getting invites for coming editions. Because Nick Bennett is in every right to say, you guys are up the back, you didn't do anything wrong race. No, I'm going to another team. So it's, and, and the Tour of Britain, the Tour Series, the National Championships, the only races in the UK actually care about. Yes, we, we support the British calendar, the British Premier Calendar because not only do we have to, we're obligated to, but they are in their own right. They are really good races. Then the the scene, the British cycling, the Premier Calendar scene needs to keep up the backside. If you ask me, I'm not a race organizer. I can't give them the answers. But I can say from my point of view what needs to be done. Yeah. But they don't just want to listen. And again, another story. But the you know, I said there's only three races. And then we go to Europe. We can race twice a month in Europe. Less cost than doing the trophy. Get a win. UCL win for greater currency than national A win. Yes, it is great to win national A. But it doesn't matter if you're winning a regional C plus or a national A or a UCI one point one race. As long as you get your arms in the air, St. Peru and across there, that's, that's what you want at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like you've been redeemed though? <laughs> no, this, like, no, thank you. It's, 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 we wait to people to reach out to us. You might have you now got a different set of eyes? With yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely want to <laughs> apologise for for how I was previously because I think it was based on a lot of ignorance and it was just this was my view based on the facts I had available, but I clearly had very few facts. You know, it's just. <coughs> I think it's good that, that you know you've got to actually explore this topic more. What is the notion of development? You know, that yeah, that's worth looking at and saying, okay, you know, you know, what are the facts? We take a rider from A to B, and you know, what's the outcome of that? And you know, the system is basically broken because there's no salon clause. So you're not. You might be developing people, but you're not getting financially necessarily rewarded for it, which is a which is a big problem. So the rewards have got to be more philanthropic. Yeah, the uh, reward is kind of like, well, well done, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that makes you know that, that 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 that's more difficult. You know, then you get emotional. Oh, you should give Johnny from Basingstoke a ride because he's a nice lad and one together, and then. You know, there has to be elements of that, and, and certainly, you pick your category level, you know, you certainly, your, you know, your fourth, your thirds, you know, your second cats, you know, racing for fun is, should be a huge element, 
you know, I feel sorry for the first cats because it's kind of there's very few races in this country, and then there's a whole part of discussion probably on your platform, every else, you know, what's a UK elite rider? Is it an elite rider or one thing or another? But you know, I think if we, if you want to talk about development, talk about it. If you actually do something about it, so we are running from fourth cats. We, we, we've got a new uh, platform coming for people that can join our organisation that just want to put on a some pair of jersey good rider sportif which is great as far as we're concerned right way through to you know you know giving the best opportunity at the highest level and what we are doing is we're attracting real quality riders that actually understand the uh, ethos behind uh what we're doing and much to steve's pleasure you know there was a worry about us losing a lot of riders next year uh, because they did it exceedingly well you don't go to the Tour of Britain and take on World Tour teams and, 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 and do something pretty good. You know, although we did a lot of apologising because, you know, the agreements we had with maybe a couple of the Belgian riders didn't stack up because they reneged on the on, on the deal on one of the stages, but, you know, we were able to show that we weren't working in a final part of one of those stages. <coughs> so, you know, we, 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 we kept our word and kept, kept working, but I think, you know, I hope from this interview what you're getting is that some periods quite deep in, in, in several ways and we want everybody engaged in the process you know I would like you know I think somebody put something really good on another social media comment that they would have supported Ribble by by you know perhaps putting in two pound a month well imagine we could do that if we had a thousand people give us two thousand two pound a month you know we we, we, we could run you know a, you know a really mint or two pound a week even probably better two pound a week that stacks up really well you yeah. know that that's your running cost of a quality team taken care of you know so you know i think there's ways that people can become engaged you know mm. your podcast self and bits and pieces and if there's anything we can do to support you in that we'd love to yeah absolutely we've mentioned tour of britain a few times without really <coughs> touching upon it how like last edition uh in 2021 was actually started in Cornwall oh, which, yeah. how was that for you as someone who's born and I presume raised around here I think Steve and I probably it was going by very quickly but it was also, also well, here's the funny thing so we I'm going to tell you something that no other media person so when Steve was riding for us uh, the tour break was going to be announced to be in Cornwall and, and you know, he, he was looking upon it as his last, last race, and we were in a UK elite team. There was no way we were going to be on the start line. So basically, Ribble came in and said, "Look, we'll give him that opportunity." And we, St Piran, paid his salary whilst he was at Ribble for him to do that. So that gives you an idea of how much that meant to that man over there. I mean, for for us, it was, you know, it was a, a once in a generation thing. We thought the support that we would get in Cornwall would be it. The support continued. The whole all the way up to Scotland, it yeah. was it was nothing short. I mean, they they reckon three hundred and fifty thousand people stood at the roadside, you know, to see it. So gosh, it was a crazy day. It was <coughs> a day where so we went up on the podium in Penzance, Simon Boone, and just before us, Quick Step was there with Cab, and it was pretty loud. And we got there, and it erupted. And it was like being a rock star. Mental and all day. Like it's just the crowd all day, just shouting like my name, the team's name. Yeah, insane. Insane day. 
And it, but it's one that <coughs> I had a, I had an objective to get the breakaway. So it's kind of like standard bike racing. And um, Ross Holland, my teammate last year, just put his arm around me and he said, just take it in, just absorb the atmosphere. Mm. You never do this again. And that, that meant like, just to ride around and see it all. And then like, it was stupid little things, like I was riding on the wrong side of the road whenever I could, because you're never going to be able to ride on that wrong side of the road against oncoming traffic. Just little things. Just <coughs> it's really funny because I, um, we 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 rode with you know with all the world tour teams. Um, I'm quite well now. I don't I don't see the difference in the teams. You know, and we were lucky to have my boy Lauren with us. And then it was a bit of normality for like the big hitters, and they were like high fiving him. But I walked into Ineos, and I've literally said, "Why wouldn't you let Steve Lamp?" He said, "We couldn't let Steve Lampier go." I said, "You're Ineos. What what are you going on about?" He said, "No, we couldn't let him go today because if he got four minutes." we'd struggle to pull that back and rest the race. He said we could let other riders go because we know they'd fall by the wayside. And I was like, so I'm stood in like the team room with, you know, you know like world famous riders actually saying, you know, they couldn't let, you know, couldn't give Steve his, his moment in the sun was actually like a bit of a threat to them because, mm. you know, he, whilst he's not going to win any sprint stages, you know, he was a very, you know, dogged determined you know quality rider and you weren't going to get if you give him four minutes i mean like uh the boy rob Coventer did from rally you know you know he, he had a great you know sort of second second day and uh, you know those time gaps were quite huge but obviously the big teams come into play but yeah it meant everything for us and uh let's let's hope it comes back yeah yeah definitely it is quite amazing for me seeing it on roads that i was vaguely familiar like i know that road between Newquay and St Austell going via uh, Quintral Downs and that area. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I've driven that so many times. <coughs> it's weird to see a bike race on it. Yeah, that you know. Yeah, and like names I know and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what are the the plans for next year? Well, you've got me for about another five minutes because I've actually got a Zoom call coming in from, from from Belgium, which I will take. I'll disappear in next, so Steve can probably he's like Tweedledee and Tweedledum really. <laughs> um, <coughs> I would say, genuinely, frightening from our organisational point of view, what we're trying to put together. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You, you are at most, Steve. I'm, I'm still getting sleepless nights now, rolling into next year. But that will translate into excited. You know, we, we've got to put, we've got to put things together that, that make it work. Um, you know, the riders we've got. Are, are amazing and uh, yeah the invites because we're, we're racing a certain way you know people like the way that we race you know um, you know we've got, we've, we've got some really you know sort of talented bike riders and uh, you know we've got a you know, we, we won those UCI races abroad or a Belgian Kermesse or you know so you know there's an expectation level there that goes with it and uh, hopefully we'll um just just give a good account of, of of ourselves and you know what British racing is all about yeah for real well I look forward to seeing that I'll let you go so you've got a bit of time to yourself uh, I'll move over to Steve um, lovely alright mate well thanks for it takes yeah. a big man to say maybe you got it wrong thank you very much for that uh, you've gone up in my estimation and uh, yeah let's make sure you catch up 
I was going to try and get Jenny for the women's side to come today, but she's poorly. Oh, bless uh, her. I hope she gets better soon. So you've got the better looking one over there with Steve. I'll move over to Steve and... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I interjected in No, no, no. It's, uh, real. It, hopefully it picked it up. <laughs> Obviously the distant, hopefully it's all sorted. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know how I'll cut this, but hopefully this will sound lovely and all together. And whether we do it as two episodes or one, I'll, I'll figure that out. But what's your current role with with the team? Um, so I'm the sports director. Yep. So on paper, the sports director. On the UCI documents, I'm team representative. Um, that's just so I can do all the administration for the UCI side. But yeah, sports director, um, team manager of the men's UCI team. Um, I don't, because St. Pyrrhus has grown and grown and grown, but women's team, 0503, I don't have any, I, I know what's going on with those teams, but I don't have any day to day running with those teams because too much was blowing my brain. So, yeah. Okay, did you have a look at the 0503 and go, oh, that, that rider's coming up good? Yeah, so, I, so I, look at, I, I look at them in that point of view because they are our direct feeder team. Um, because of the way it's, yeah, to, it's um, kind of set up is 0503. If you look at it, it's like a pyramid, basically. We've got you know, the men's team at the top, women's team, and then you know, the club and all sorts. And 0503 actually sits quite a way sideways of that. Mm. Um, that's so that we don't get any... Um, Naysay is saying, oh, St. Pyrrhon have got 16 riders in the race, for example. You know, of course. cohesion between the two teams, because there is no cohesion. The management's totally different, the infrastructure's totally different. You know, you, you can see some of their team vehicles there. There's no 05 and 3 vehicles there. You know, <laughs> we're not. So we have like a. So Ricky, although he kind of owns it all, he doesn't have the day to day running of 0503. So that's that guy called Harrison Hunter who runs that. Okay. But then what I do is I will look at the riders and keep an eye on the riders. And, you know, and we, we've pledged to bring across one five three rider each year into the same setup. So hopefully there's some good ones. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is that a kind of? I know you said there's a commitment. Is that kind of set in stone where? Come hell or high water, you have to take one. No, or because, uh, if, uh, if, they get, if they get the required results, so we're not going to take a go- say if they're best rider. Like say for example, we we said we set this out last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, their best rider, he, um, he only got like a seventeenth in a national race. Well, that's not good enough for us. But if they're consistent, if he was consistently just us of the top ten, for example, then we'd, we'd give him a shit. You know. A shout with St. Pyrrhon, but you know, he's just not quite there yet. But that's development, they're not the whole point is to develop, to develop those riders. And we're giving the pointers and we speak to them all, you know, the, the better ones in the team, or I will. And so, mm. look, this, this is what you need to do for next year, just potentially do this. And yeah, and I guess on that development point, is it a case of it's not the right time yet, and yeah. therefore, yeah, just, just hold back and everyone develops at their own rate yeah, anyway? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Because you can't, you know, it's like a greenhouse, isn't it? Everyone is, everyone's different. You can't, what works for, you know, Remco Van, you know, Vanderpol, for example, what works for him hasn't worked for, you know, Jack Rick and Gray. You know, that, that hasn't worked for, you know, young Fred Smith in 0503. Everyone's all different, so 
you have to look at athletes in their own individual right. There's no there's no one catch-all situation for guys to be better bike riders. Yeah. So it's and yeah, and the 503 team, you know, it's not just exclusive to under 23s. Although I would like to work more with under 23 riders, if I'm honest with you. But the age of bike riders in the UK is generally a bit older. Um, so yeah, we've got guys at you know, 24, 25, you know, who are now coming into their own and very good bike riders in their own right. And then, you know, that's, you know, if we can get them into bigger teams or if they make a career in, in the UK, you know, that's good enough for us. Yeah, and I, I guess we talked about it with Ricky, but for you, what is success? Like, do you have your own personal success that isn't yeah. linked to the team's success? Um, it's one of the same things, isn't it? I <laughs> um, don't know. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, probably, like, maybe like Ricky in this point, you know, like if you cut me in half, you know, like a stick of rock, it's got the same pyramid in through. So the team is everything to me. So the team's success is my own success. Mm. And I put a lot of emphasis on planning, preparation at races. What I would do as a rider, but looking at them to do it so I get so this year has been a big turning point for me and it's, it's been huge been a, been a big stress um, trying to not get riders to do as I've done but to do you know because that's that, that's the wrong way of looking at it but it's like and I wasn't the best bike rider I was very gritty but I didn't win as much as I should have done but it's about you know doing the right thing given the race and I spent a lot of my career watching races watching races that I was in and re you know, evaluating what I used to do but then also watching a lot of pro bike races on TV cons- mm. consistently watching how they're doing it what they're doing they could read a race really well and then I could always tell you the outcome of a race before it's happened what's going to go on and then it's now kind of putting that into into a document and then taking that to the riders presenting it to the riders and then getting them to buy into it which they have been latterly you know since you know when there's a lot of Ricky touched on earlier a lot of bike problems um, so they couldn't do what they needed to do but since then it's you know they the equipment has been top notch the riders have been you know properly prepared you know that's much in part to, to Liam Hollihan and his coaching team and then for me, it's like this is how we're going to do the race, this is what we're going to do, and then getting out and doing it. But obviously, you know, they're all humans at the end of the day, like things go wrong, mm-hmm. they don't do things how we explained it. But that's when we debrief after the race, like this, this is what we should have done, this is how we do it, or this won't be right, maybe do this in future. You're always changing things, new ideas, and, and fresh ideas, and that's kind of the stuff that I get, I get really excited about just the, <coughs> the preparation of the race and the planning. <coughs> Yeah, I think that really shines through. And obviously, you said that you know you you're great at reading a race and knowing what will happen in the future. Did that make the transition to being a sporting director easier for you from from coming out of the racing? Um, it's a bit bizarre, really. So I stopped racing. I had the line and sat the. It's meant to stop at Tour of Britain, but I carried on for the next last year. Was a bit chopped and changed with COVID, mm. so I carried on to the nationals. Um, but it was fitting in like the Lincoln Nationals is a big race and Dan Elmore did a good race and he always puts on great races so it was good fitting end to my career and going up the climb like I dropped off the back of the bunch Ricky was in team car behind shook his hand 
and then we I just rode up the climb dead slowly taking it all in and then you couldn't have done that at any other race you couldn't have done that at Beaumont Trophy the week before because it's a different style of race and it was a, a fitting end and then drove home that night and then Monday morning I was probably sat here just planning and working on stuff the, so the winter transition was no real different from any other year um, but it came hard probably April May time when these races going on things weren't going right for a whole heap of reasons and all I wanted to do was take the bike off the roof and get involved in myself mm. in the race um, but obviously I wasn't fit enough you know, I put on 12-14 kilos I'm you know, not, the, not the athlete I used to be um, but you know, I wanted to, to get involved because I still felt I was a part of the race you know, you do, and you do get a certain buzz from being in the team cars behind and you get that nervous energy from the race but it's different and it's taken me a little while to kind of, you know, kind of work into that new role or, or be be a one with that role. Mm. Yeah. Like, do you get the same excitement from, like, if you win a race versus if one of the riders you're supporting wins a race? Do you still get the same buzz, or is it a different feeling? Um, winning's winning. Just love winning. So <laughs> I, it's actually so when I rode for. Um, I've been Velo Velo Shorjiadana years ago and I set Marcin Bierblocki to win a Premier Kanda and the feeling I got from that was the same as me winning the race and then I was like actually this is pretty good and then you know, I've obviously got a bit of success myself and won the Premier Kanda in rally and you know, it was good like I loved it and then I went to JLT and First year I kind of rode for myself a lot of the time, but the second year I worked for loads of sprinters, Brenton Jones, Alex Frame, Ed Clancy, you know, working for these guys, Matt Gibson, and when they won races it was the same. Mm. You do like a all day like this in near near where you're from, tour of the worlds, and we rode hundred and fifty K on the front. I did a hundred K of that myself. And Brenton won the race, I think Gibbo was second or third and or Russ Downing second or third, I can't remember which order they were. And it was a it was a great feeling to pull out to be part of that winning team. And last year Tom was own won the Grand Prix de Somme and him winning that race was as if I'd won the race, you know, it just it meant a lot and you know you, and even you know when Alex <clears throat> won Ryder Grand Prix in Nujon mm. and, and Jack won um, at uh, Beaumont Trophy, it was like winning the race as well. It's a shared because you've all had part of it. Mm. You know, it's a team. You're all part of that team, from the mechanics to the swan years to you know the person who um, you know booked all the hotels. You know, it's, you're all part of the team. Yeah, and it's a shared. You know, it's a shared passion for cycling, and then that passion when you win races just is an amazing feeling. Yeah, gosh, and how do you find like? being a DS both like in the UK and then on the continent is there a, a difference and if so what, what is that difference to not say so, uh, the European races give me the most excitement and the buzz okay to, um, because there's so much more going on mm-hmm. yeah, the, the riders the level of riders is higher yeah. so there's more happening to how you would 
race as well you know and I used my analogy earlier on if you've got 180 guys one football one goal you know yeah. it's, it's the same so it's there's more going on whereas in the UK yes there's a very the scene in itself is not very strong the riders are strong and it'll grow like it will come back to what it was yeah I'm 100% certain of that um, but the the way the riders race in the UK is it's not formulaic as in you know break goes they, they ride break comes back it's not like that it's, it's very bang 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 but you know when they're going to attack mm-hmm. the riders only ever attack on a hill <laughs> you know it's like so you know that that hill is going to be be pivotal or you know they don't try other things and you know if I'm, I'm not going to I've worked out what other teams do mm. and I've studied it and they do the same thing race in race out and I've worked it out and then you know so once you've figured that out and then you can counteract it or get them on the back foot you know it's, it's, it's easy so it's not the same it, it's good but also like not, I'm not going to say like the driving is an absolute bull egg because it is if we go you know living down here if we go we have got to go to Dover that's six hours away and then over into Europe in Beaumont Trophy is an eight hour drive away <laughs> it's it's not that it, it's just different you know the races are too they're worlds apart mm. they're both pivotal to what we do and you get it's the same people every day it's just, it's just not the same it's great but it's not the same yeah of course and I mean we we touched on earlier about the, the tour series and how much travel that can be mm. um, there were two I, mean, I want to say there's two Scottish rounds and obviously yeah. the national crit was up there as well yeah like but you you had a, a quite a refreshing perspective but you know if it wasn't for tour series yeah I mean ultimately if the, if the tour series owes a lot yeah I owe a lot to the tour series tour series owe, I, don't know, I don't know which way you phrase it but if it wasn't for that I wouldn't be here really, mm. you know doing what I'm doing but the tour series and yeah like, like Ricky said yeah people know about the tour series rounds either here there and everywhere there needs to be more thinking to where they are you know who was in, it was in um, Guysborough and then went to Scotland then came back down from Lincoln and then we went back up to Sunderland and then back up to Scotland it was kind of that that takes a toll on the teams you know if you all and it must take a toll on the sweet spot as well left field mm. as well but I think it doesn't matter where the races are they're at their own individual races and they are to also something different it's, it's um, you know it's a team aspect as well you know since your top four riders need to be placed high Mm. you've got to get a rider your fifth place rider needs to push another team's third or fourth or maybe even second counter back you know there's a lot more to play with it and a lot more tactical intrigue which is quite exciting so the race is different but yeah mate it's um, yeah I do owe a lot to it and I think it's a, a great style of race I love Brits anyway I was never really good at them but I love racing them you take the race to the public it's a great thing isn't it yeah, I mean, with it being televised, it, it's huge, and yeah. like, there's a few crits you can get online, like on YouTube, but it's yeah. not ITV or GCN no, no, putting no. it on, so it's hugely yeah. different, I assume. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. When, I mean, we touched on this earlier that like you're the reason Cooper Sayers is on the team, and so you do a lot clearly on the, the sort of scouting side. What are you looking for? Is it just raw talent? Are you looking for 
personality type? Like, how how do you do it? Yeah, so you are, I, you look at the style of rider you want. So last year, I went about building a very sprint heavy team to start okay. with. Um, we had Gavs Calais, Jacob Hennessy, you know, sprinters, Tom Zone at the time was a, a good sprinter, he still is a good sprinter, Charles Page, you mm. know, fast guys, but you also, you can't have just sprinters, whereas you can't have just climbers. Yeah. You know, a UK climber is, a UK climber is a, is a myth, I think. There's no, <laughs> there's no such thing as a UK climber. You know, I, I was very good on climbs, but, you know, you have to be good in, at climbing in the UK. So, you, you know, basically that's an all-round rider who may be better at climbs or better at doing something, you know, their, their mm-hmm. skills are different. Um, but with that team, you also need people who are as people who work, and then you need, you know, a different style of rider, you have different personalities, and generally the riders befit the personality, so a sprinter is quite a feisty character, you know, or what, you know somebody who's just content in work and is quite you know, placid, laid back, you know, strong, Strong morals, strong you know beliefs in what they want, in what they're trying to achieve in their life, and then so work first. We work out what riders you want. So I digress that slowly. Mm-hmm. What riders you want, how you want to win races, and then you get talking to almost pigeonhole riders. You mm-hmm. get speaking to them, look at their results, historical, what they can can't do, and then we look. We get each rider to send their power profiles and. Training Peaks access to Liam Hollihan who really looks into stuff and a bit more in depth and numbers which I have an understanding about but that's his realm yeah. so he he can look at these numbers he can look at all this stuff and he can say well oh, he's good at this he can improve here he's very strong here in this area and that builds a bigger picture and then I spend time chatting to the rider on the phone if I don't know them mm-hmm. personally and last year I knew riders personally because I was just fresh out of now there's some 19 year olds 18 year olds that we've signed up I don't know who they are. Yeah. So you have, you have to spend some time talking to them. And then you get a feel of it. And you ask them, you start asking them like off the cuff questions, you know. Like, and they just, you know, well, what, what have you done today? You know, stuff like that. You know, and some guys give you like an in depth answer. Some guys are just, oh, I played Fortnite on the, on the computer. Mm-hmm. It's no good to me, is it? You know, and, and you get a feel for how these guys are and, the, you know, what they want. And then, you know, you spend time talking to them, build up a bit of a rapport with them. And it's different, the rapport's different. When you're a rider, you want to be their mate. Can't, yes, you want to be liked and you want to be their friends, but you don't want to be, you know, you need that element of removal to have, you know, command and respect. Do you find that easy as a balance to have? Uh, I've struggled with this year. Okay. And primarily because a lot of the riders in the team this year, they were teammates last year, mm-hmm. and they're guys that I've shared a beer with and had some good nights out with, so it's different. You know, it's but this year it's, it's probably a bit easier. But when we had the new influx of riders, it was actually easier to see this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it. And it's some very respectful characters as well. Like mm. Jack Jack is he's such a um, he, he's very determined, he knows what he wants to do, knows how he's gonna achieve it. And he needs reassurance, like everyone does. But he's so you know, he might take a piss behind my back, but he's so respectful when you're there, he's like, Oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then mm. because but he shows respect because we've given him respect as well it's a two-way street respect it's not an age thing anymore yes you should respect your elders but then in some respects why if they haven't done anything to help you or you know you've got 
they respect his earn and, and it's a two-way street. So yeah. we've given him the opportunities to invite races. This is how we're going to do it. Yeah, he'd probably drive him up the wall next year. You know, and he, and he does now like, to a degree. But it's like you can put up with it. But all the riders in the team are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they they'll all have their own intricacies <coughs> and nuances, but they'll and they'll push buttons because you know that's that's how bike riders are. Yeah, they're, they're young adults as well. They haven't found themselves fully, and it's but you can deal with that, and you can steer it into a positive thing when they're being not behaviors in the wrong way, but when they're doing the deed, when they're racing to the best of their abilities or training to the best of their abilities. Yeah. I, I, yeah, because I was going to ask about, like, is there a personality type you think you work with better? But then you've said, like, you, I don't think there's everyone any, has their own because yeah, of their yeah, style. Yeah, everyone's different, aren't they? No two people are the same. Yeah. Yes. But then, and then we try and, but with the personality traits, we try and room people who they obviously get on with because they're going to be the same similar personality traits. But then, like, you don't want two people who are always waking up late, you know, lazy people in the one room, even a feistier person, maybe. Yeah, or like um, two sprinters who both want to be alpha. You can't really even no, remember but I did do, but I did do that a lot last year just to prove a point. Okay. So we had uh, Charles Page and, uh, and and Tom Mazzone who, you know, they both wanted the same thing. But I just used to throw them in a room together because it's like putting two bits of dynamite together, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, there's an element of that, but you know, there's an element of like they need to be, you know, happy and calm in their surroundings as well to get the most out of them. More so a stage race than a one day race. Yeah. Like Jack and Harry are really well together. No, they obviously knew each other from GB Academy, but hmm. they're chalk and cheese in personality. Okay. You know, it's, but they bring out the best in each other. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I guess is that something you you found natural, like being able to assess personality types, or is that something you you had to work on and go, okay, like you said, you love planning anyway. Mm-hmm. Is that something you? explicitly plan or no, you just I, get the vibe off yeah you just get a vibe off people but I'm quite perceptive of people's like moods and how they are and how they interact and, and I'll um, I'll do this thing um, obviously some of the riders are going to listen to this so I don't want them to kind of trigger onto it we'll be in a, in a car going to a race and I'll talk to riders hmm. but I won't outwardly ask them how are you feeling I won't do that in the car or what are you thinking I'll just get a gauge I just drop certain things into conversations, so you get a feel of it. Yeah, I've got like that. I guess you, that's. And then you get because then you'll know because they won't know, but they've given you the answers you need. Are they a hundred percent motivated for this race? Mm. Did they get? You know, you could talk. Oh, well, what what did you get up to last night? You know, little things like that. Oh, well, I was, yeah, I was out on the piss till three o'clock in the morning. You know, they're not motivated for the race, are they? If they've been doing that, I mean, everyone's young. They're going to have an outlet. But you know they're not one hundred percent motivated, so yeah. you don't give them that lead role potentially. Mm. You know, and then as a maybe a little bit of form of punishment, you wouldn't do it. But also, as in terms of like, well, if you're not giving me one hundred percent, I'm not going to give you one hundred percent because I'll match everyone's input. Yeah. And you know, but then you also don't want a guy who's just been, oh yeah, just, just moping around. You need it. It's a good mix. 
Yeah, and I guess that's just good people management. Like that, you know, in my day job, I have people who report into me, and part of that is just knowing, like taking their temperature almost, just knowing how they are. And yeah, just just it's just to people, normal. Yeah, just, I guess. Yeah, I suppose it is normal, but I don't think I. Ah, oh, maybe I did have it. I know there's probably only one sports director who probably did it because he was into his amateur psychology, and that's John Herity. Hmm. But the others, they wouldn't. Especially. Do you think that needs to change? Not necessarily, because I don't think it's primarily your job. Because okay. there's two, two schools of thought. It's like if you're, you know, if you're paying riders to do a job, and that's what we'll be doing next year before anyone goes, oh, no one's paying. We are paying <laughs> riders to race. Um, we, you expect professionalism from them so why shouldn't you just say this was happening bang there's that human touch which gets a little bit more out of the rider yeah I think so that's that's all it is you know you you see it like um, spent some time with some world tour riders and been around some world tour teams and they just they're just kind of soulless they're just bouncing race to race they don't they don't see the same sports director week in week out they don't it's not the same staff yeah, too much dropping and changing. They're never going to get the best out of themselves. Yeah, yeah it's, it's why the tour guys spend time with it in this close knit group. There's reasons for doing things. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I was going to ask a question and it's gone completely. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get it back in a minute. Um, yeah, like obviously you're DSing this year at the the Tour of Britain. Mm. And we did see, and we touched on it earlier with Ricky about how um, there were certain tactics and you say you always look at, okay, how do we win this? Mm. And you've got a good read on races. <coughs> so I want to touch on, I want to say it was stage three, two or three, um, where Alex went in the breakaway um, and kind of just almost teased the peloton by riding slow so they never chased and so Alex is Alex in equal measure is a very exciting and a very frustrating rider to work with okay so for two days you said you know we, I laid out plans and I wrote down somewhere which riders which days which roles which responsibilities when they're switching off when they're switching on for Alex and Jack to, to a degree uh, Harry definitely we had to say well just park it today just ride the race just roll up the last climb if you get dropped and lose 10 minutes you lose 10 minutes no one cares mm-hmm. we need you to lose time so you can get away you know because you, he, Alex in Alex's case you can win a stage you know, yeah. so we um, we set out day 3 and day 6 with him obviously day 6 didn't happen and day 3 the break took a little while to go and he got away and he got in a, a good working group really mm-hmm. and he was clever enough to work out who needed to do what in that breakaway and he was on television saying we'll go slow here and then we'll just jam it yeah but the, I, we hadn't done a deal as such but we had spoken to <coughs> Israel who were leading the race of Corbin Strong and we had spoken with with Ineos as well mm-hmm. and they were very happy just to let the break go because it didn't mean anything if, if Alex 
if that breakaway had stayed away, what it did, and won the stage, then it didn't matter. The only caveat in that which they needed back was Perry. Mm-hmm. Didn't want Perry to be there. It was too, it was too hard on GC. He got yellow the next day. Yeah. Red. But and so the, in the breakaway, another deal was made. How's it going? We'll get yeah, time good, yeah. and after that, we'll, we'll, you know, we're set up, we're happy with that. And the two mm. guys that are the GC were going to do so, they didn't do it. So that's why Alex was sat on the back. Yeah. You know, it was a gentleman's agreement, part, and yeah, in yeah, Alex's yeah. world, you know, if you've agreed something, then you do it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, you know there's no... Right it, it's racing, you know, they wanted to take the jersey, and Ben Poe probably would have taken the jersey the next day or the day after. You know, but he and it, and he, but he stayed there. But obviously, he's got a sports director in his ear saying, "Don't set up, don't set up." When they said they was going to set up, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. So then I had Dowsett coming back to our car saying, "I thought he was going to, I thought they were going to set up." He said, "Yeah, we thought yeah. so as well." But we couldn't speak to Alex. He's up the road. Team Car Two's behind him. So Alex is in there stressing. Liam's in. Oh, we can hear their radio. Yeah. And Liam's tending to calm it. You, you, you know, just do what you need to do now. Mm-hmm. You know? And then. But Alex didn't have a big enough gap to do what he needed to do to try and win the race. You know, it's, it's like a race within a race within a race. Yeah. So many in, so much intrigue and you know, and then out of it because Alex sat on because he, you know, an agreement was done between all parties. You know, we kind of sat up. You know, he, he sat on and it was on TV. It looked like he was you know fucked. That's why he was sat on. Yeah. It wasn't. It was because you know they'd like double crossed him you know so he was like yeah I'm not happy about this so we came out of a little bigger people but after straight after the stage I went over and spoke to Zach Dempster Israel mm. DS I said you know look you know we don't know why they didn't sit up because we didn't know what was happening and then just said yeah you know you're fine you know we're not we're not we're not, we're, not, we're not pissed off you at all we know the situation we're not happy with other teams but you're mm. fine we came out of it you know, in the world tour team's eyes you know, with, with respect as well yeah so it's and that tactic to, to sort of go slow initially and then hammer it at the end was that led by Alex was that led by yourselves no led by Alex he, okay. because he knows how to race yeah you know, but it's stuff we would talk about. Like, I, would, I don't need to say it to Alex, who's in his 30s and has raced. Oh, he's in his 30s and raced. He actually hasn't <laughs> raced for that long because his rise is very, has been very rapid. Mm. You know, I remember seeing him in one race. Like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, you know, he's at one pro and then he leaves them for a, for a plethora of reasons and then he wins Lincoln Grand Prix and you're like, whoa. Yeah. how's he just done that and he's got his niche winning races and how he wins it and he wins it in a particular style and it's it's sometimes it's formulaic how he does it but it's not in how he's, his style he's a, he's a very exciting rider to do, to watch mm. you know, but he's very driven and determined and he knows what he needs to do and when he needs to do it but it's but Alex has a um, you know he's a clever guy super clever guy you know you don't don't make a career out of what he was doing <laughs> no. if, if, if you haven't got anything between your ears and um, so he has cottoned on very quickly on how to you know, use this phrase a lot how to manipulate a bike race to suit yourself mm. and that's what I try and install in the young guys you have to manipulate a situation all the time yeah for you for the game and the game is winning a race but, so he, you- but he was very clever and saying look we'll go slow because the, the 
bunch you know, it was led by by Israel because they had the jersey so they were you know quite content just to let them go but give them yeah three four minutes and that was it but if they like set they open it to eight minutes in the first 50k which you could do when the bunch is cruising then the bunch is angry and then the bunch is like, going harder and harder and harder and then it's, then it's just going to be a hell of a day for the breakaway because they're going to have to ride really hard hmm. peloton doesn't get you much the breakaway won't have respect as a whole in the peloton because they're like I want those bastards back that you know they've taken taken the piss hmm. This is it's different a breakaway in a big UCI race is a lot different from a breakaway in a smaller UCI race and a one day and also in, in a UK race Premier yeah Canada. Yeah. Break, breakaway and Premier Canada spends all day just smashing shit out of each other <laughs> yes. and then it's whoever's the fastest left of the finish that's, that's, that's how it works but in a UCI race it's like you know we'll give you some rope if we give you too much rope you can hang yourself and Alex was caught on that he knew not to, to take too much yeah and there's something you touched upon that I think is worth exploring potentially about how he manipulates races and how you kind of try and instill that in the other riders that are you trying to create more quote unquote active riders who race a race rather than passive riders who let a race happen to them good question so the, the, the manipulating of tactics that's what I use so I always say you need to manipulate a race to suit your assets assets yeah. being the riders you know essentially you look at any bike race in the world what happens they start the race people attack they either go or don't go. A break will go. If stage race, it'll, you know, it's TV breaks normally. They'll mm-hmm. go. And then nine times out of ten, they'll always come back. Yeah. But then you look at the running. Will it come back? Why will it come back? Well, it's going to be a sprint. Oh, quick step. going to ride for Cav. There you go. Sprint. You know, UK race, a little bit different. But then somewhere to Aubrey, where there was, it was a bit of a lumpy finish. Well, an example of that, actually, was um, day two, where Jack um, attacked on the penultimate like little climb but the day before I'd, we'd been chatting about the race and it says a grippy finale you know you have to if you're there in the right place you have to do something I didn't tell him to attack at that point hmm. you know he he it was his you know thinking that did it but we gave him the green light to be aggressive in that finale to okay. if he had got away in a say a, a five man working group and they'd gone to the line he'd have had one in five chance of winning mm. but he's, he's not a bunch sprinter you know probably not it was 50-50 going to be a bunch sprint and it was a bunch sprint yeah. well, group, big group sprint you know he can't beat 40 guys in a sprint he could finish on a good day he finish 10th yeah. because he'd be well positioned but he's not a sprinter so you know he's not going to beat Case Bowl so we kind of spoke about it and uh, we and I understood it straight away I said look you know if you you know, start going with moves, you know, and he said, yeah, it's going you know, to be hard, you, you'll go with them, and then he said, when it's the harder the race, the better, the more switched on he is, and he finds it easier, and I got him straight away, because it was the same with me, mm. others in the room didn't understand him, I was like, well, if it's harder, why are you better, doesn't make sense, and it doesn't, it's not, it's not logic, yeah. but it, it was what he needed, and then he took advantage of that, and he got away, and it, people were talking, it was a ballsy move. It was into a headwind. You know, we knew, we knew obviously, we've got Velavira and we've got Windsock. You've got all the tools available, so have all the other teams. So they know the lay of the land. They know the weather conditions. Yeah. But they know, 
but you still there's still got to be an element of ripping up the rule book and doing and that's what Jack does that's where he's exciting but the manipulation part of it comes to if we have we go to a race with say Alex and Jack they need it to be won in a particular way mm-hmm. so how do we get that so right at Grand Prix we said look we haven't done fuck all year we need to race the race where people are going to go oh, I had to simply in here but they're not really here you know and mm. we, I, I said to the guys look we'll keep attacking we'll, we'll attack and but whoever's behind to so say if Harry Bertrand was up the road yeah. I can't remember the lay of how it went now and Cooper was going across even if you're going across to Jacob Scott or Rob Scott the, the strongest rider at that point of the season mm-hmm. work with them because they're going to go what the fuck are they working for us I'll work with them anyway but as soon as they got there they had to go over the top of it or the person who was in that front group had to attack again to restart the race so therefore it was always we were on the front foot attacking they're on the back foot because they're having to chase 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 but there's always chasing with one of our riders and our riders are always working with them as well goes against cat tactics like you should, don't chase the teammate you don't chase them you're trying to get numbers up the road yeah so there, there we had obviously Alex and Jack were away Jack comes actually punched it on the last climb still held off for second Alex on the race then we had Harry he was sprinting for third place and he balls up the sprint you know but he could have got third he was faster than Finn that day yeah you know it's it, that's that's the way I like to use our riders you know we just manipulate that situation we did the same in Beaumont we did the same in Nujon did the same in Rick Van Loy you know it's it you have to use who you've got in the race to your best of the advantage if you've got a bunch sprinter it's different yeah. Say so if you go the flattest race in the world, you'll guarantee a bunch of sprint, and then you ride differently again. But to be fair, we ballsed up at Eddie Sowens. We rode all day. Leon Mazone got away with one rider. He could have actually won the race, but I was so fixated on doing a sprint plan. And we were only actually turned up to that race to do a sprint, full lead out sprint, but in race conditions. So we did a lot of sprinting in, on Calco training camp. Different scenarios, different lead out situations. But we wanted to do a real world situation before we went to a big UCI race and yeah. tried it. Um, there was miscommunication at the end between the sprinters, but they. But before that, Leon got away with one rider and he could have won the race easily. Um, but I was so fixated on the plan, I said, "We've got to bring back ride." Miscommunication finish, finished second. Cam Jeffers won the race. Cam did a great ride that day, you know. Um, but actually, looking back, losing that race is probably a very good thing for us because we can analyse it so that's this is what we did wrong this is what I did wrong as a sports director stood on the side of the road I said chase that back mm. shit and I spoke to folks all the next day and I said you know I may I balls up there I should I should have let Leon go but because I was so fixated on that other plan I mean, that was my mistake I should have been adaptable and that, that's what's let, learned me to become adaptable yeah but it's better to do that Eddie Sowens than it is say I don't know Tilbury stage or yeah <laughs> Yeah, I guess like if it had been a success, you'd have gone. Yeah, it's a success. There yeah, we go. yeah, exactly. Yeah, plan executed. Nothing to learn here. Yeah, yeah. Pats on back all around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we didn't. So we didn't really. Wouldn't have really learned much. But we learned a lot. So we learned mm. that communication at the finish. Me being adaptable. Riders being adaptable. Yeah. Leon did a great race. Yeah. He switched on, saw it. You know, went away. Marked the move. Maybe if we had another rider there, I definitely would have said ride. <laughs> you know, but at the time. The, what I wanted to do was different to what was happening. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it was a, a, 
but that you learn from mistakes. It's only a mistake if you make it twice. It's a very that. positive way of looking at things. Would I've got a couple of questions to round things off, and this one's slightly left field, but or maybe it isn't. I don't know. Like, would Rider you have enjoyed your DS style? Oof. Rider me would have argued with DS me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because it's not. I. Uh, as a rider, I used to get very frustrated. I would. I, I used to have this thing where I would race and I'd do what I needed to do in the race if it was a team plan and then go home happy or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if I was given opportunities to race myself, which I was, you know, and I did, yeah, I did right, I suppose. But I never won the biggest races, which I knew I could have won. So I used to drive home, like, pissed off. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And I think if I had had me as a, my DS brain then, probably would have won more. But I think as a rider, I would have fallen out with me. <laughs> yeah. Because I would have been like, well, why are we doing this? No, that's not what we do. But it's only because I've been outwardly examining things that I've got to this point. Yeah, got that, I guess that's you know, and I'm not, I'm not, But I'm not working with me. I'm yeah. not work there's no rider like me. There's probably maybe Yeah. Probably Cooper was probably the only rider like me, but Cooper's faster than what I was. Mm. I was better climber than what Cooper was. But there's no yeah, there's little bits probably of every rider that could have been but you know it's yeah different riders yeah and this is the the final question <laughs> so i've taken up quite no, yeah no. quite a lot of your time um what is the sort of plans for the off season like what do you do as a ds in the off season because there's clearly no races to be at mm. but and also i guess as a tag on to that what what can we expect in 2023 uh, so, uh, firstly, when will this be? Uh, either it, maybe this Monday. It could be. Right. Yeah. So, um, we'll answer your last question first. Um, what will we expect next year? I can't tell you the riders yet, for obvious reasons. Um, but we are planning probably a sixty forty UK Europe race split. Okay. So we'll be over in Europe a lot. Um, we tried this year. We tried to do one to two good UCR races a month. Being that it was a like a new team essentially yeah, in, in UCI race eyes, mm -hmm. it was very hard to get into anything bigger than a point two race. So this year I've worked really hard to try and get to point one races for the riders we've got because they. But the riders we've got, they they want to go into bigger and better things, but. They are. They want. The, they need the the point one point pro race experience and the results, which yeah. comes with that, because they will get results. But they are also man enough to know they need to win races. So they're happy to go and ride one point twos. But we're getting there to win them. Mm -hmm. So, and then obviously the UK stuff is the UK stuff. I haven't got a calendar yet, which is frustrating. Um, but then the. With the riders I've got, it's uh, an aggressive, fast mix. Okay. So there's some fast guys there who aren't, not a bunch of kickers, I say, per se, but they're aggressive riders. With guys that have been through doldrums maybe this season and not done what they've needed to do. Mm. 
but some 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 good good exciting stuff. And the off season basically is well, there's no off season. There's no it's a no race season. It's full on lap hours behind the laptop, spreadsheets, Excel documents, all the UCI documentation. The deadline was last week. All that's had to go in reams and reams of paperwork so you have to submit all to brick cycling and then you have to with contracts and budgets and all that all that paperwork and then you have to then submit it onto the UCI database they use and so it's a lot of computer time speak to race organisers get into races go in to see Ricky to say oh have we got this money have we got that have we got this bike sponsor have we got that mm. so there's, like, everything in the background is changing so we're changing the whole infrastructure all those cars are going New cars, uh, new vans, new staffing structure. Um, the core staff, myself and Richard Smith, the mechanic, we're staying. Um, but again, you know, just more and more professional, you know, more swan years at races, you know, more mechanics at races, uh, an assistant DS for when I'm away. My wife's booking holidays in the middle of the season. <laughs> you know, so it's. Uh, I guess when you retired, she maybe thought, ah, oh, be a chance to avoid. Yeah, can go of away in the did. summer now. Of course she did. Of course she did. So yeah, there's uh, a lot of planning there, and yeah, it's but it it's it's a double-edged sword. Like I enjoy it, but it's like a bit of a drain. And, and then I look at my waistline, and yeah, I'm wearing jogging pants because I can't fit into jeans anymore. And stuff. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, it ultimately is good, and you know, it's all for the the greater good of the team, and you know, hopefully my career as I move forward. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to seeing what next year brings. Yeah, no, thank you. You've been listening to Quicklink Podcast, your daily microdose of pro cycling news and results. You can find us across social media at Quicklink Pod, or you can contact us by emailing show at quicklinksports.com. Share the show, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye now. <laughs>